Hey everybody and welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Here are your hosts, Josiah and Micah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. I'm Josiah Keneally. We're your hosts of the Young Adults Today podcast. Thanks for subscribing and sharing this message. It helps us reach more listeners with the message of Jesus and the message Mm -hmm. of Young Adults Today, which is all about the faith of the next generation, things like adulting and finances and relationships, and most importantly, our walk with Christ. And we're joined today by our friend Trey Peterson. What's up, man? Hey, Josiah and Micah. So excited to be with both of you. Loving it out with winners. You two are some of them in my life. Oh, man. Well, we are thrilled that our paths have crossed. I know that you and Josiah had briefly met about 10 years ago, and now you guys have kind of just reconnected in the last year, and you've been nothing but a blessing to us and the young adults that we get to serve um, from the weekend to just an amazing friendship from you and your family. So we just want to thank you. And for the listener who does not know who Trey is and what he does, Josiah, I want you to give him a glimpse into his life before we kick it off. For sure. Uh, Like Micah said, Trey Peterson is an entrepreneur, financial advisor. His whole career, his focus has really just been on helping businesses and individuals safeguard things like their wealth, their insurance, their assets, things like retirement planning and uh, living the life that they want when he's not working. He has a beautiful family, his Mm -hmm. wife, Steph, three kids. They love boating on Lake Minnetonka, working out, doing church activities, missions work, and uh, family talk. And uh, Trey has just been nothing but what Proverbs uh, talks about is iron sharpens iron. I told Micah driving home one time from spending some time with Trey, I was like, I've waited my whole life (laughs) for a friend like Trey. So Trey, thanks for this conversation for the many that we've had. And uh, we're going to talk about winning with money. And so if you feel like as a listener or somebody watching, you have dreams, you have goals, or you feel like you're held back from dreams and goals by debt or income issues. We're going to talk about all those things, but Trey, we'll kick it to you. And can you just kind of give us a little bit of um, some of your story of life and family and leadership? Absolutely. So I was born and raised in Owatonna, Minnesota, a little farming community uh, about an hour south of Minneapolis. Grew up, my parents being pastors, and a lot of pastors' kids did not have a great experience. I had an incredible experience uh, our family, or I should say my parents made it a family ministry instead of their thing. And I think that was one of the keys that um, certainly not perfect and always working on a lot of things, but I've always loved the Lord, served him, and I'm continuing to pursue that every single day. Uh, I've got a beautiful wife that I met at church. She walked into church one Wednesday night, and I said, there's no way somebody that beautiful is serving Jesus. <laughs> and I said, if that girl loves Jesus, then I'm going to love her. And now we have three kids that God's blessed us with, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, a two-year-old. And uh, we just feel like we're doing what God's called us to do. Uh, I do wealth management and insurance with uh, one of my closest friends. I actually met him in college at Ola Roberts University back in 2007. And I, the reason I think I love what I do so much is I'm really passionate about helping people have peace with their finances. In fact, yesterday I was I was meeting with somebody for the first time. Her and her husband were in their mid-60s. And uh, she said to me, I asked her, I said, how do you feel about money? And she said, I've, I've never had financial peace my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, by the end of our meeting today, I'm going to have a plan for you. And I'm going to be able to help you have some financial peace. And one of the things that I've found is that when our money is in order, everything else in life is easier. 
And I think as Christians, especially, this is an area that we need to be leaders because people are looking at us. They don't want what the world want, has. They want what Christ delivers us and I, uh, what Jesus gives us. And one of the things that I'm passionate about is good stewardship, helping people win in their finances. And then one of the things I'm, I'm also passionate about is doing ministry in the workplace. So a lot of people think that pastors and youth leaders and people that are doing full-time ministry are the only people called the ministry. And I think all of us are called the ministry right here in my office. Uh, I pray for people for healing, for salvation uh, almost every week. And I think it's a great mission field. So uh, that's what I get to do every day. I love what I do. I'm thankful for what I get to do. And God's using us in the marketplace. Yes, I love that. And for the listener, like that, that is so far, that's so true. It's so far from the yes, truth when people don't believe that they have a mission, that God has a plan for them, that they can share the love of Jesus everywhere they go. Like if we're the hands and feet of Christ, then we need to, we need to, you know, demonstrate that we need to be open to any and all things that come our way when it comes to stewardship and stewarding the roles that God has given us is so important. And one of those things is to do it financially and to be mindful. And one thing that we really work with is young adults and they're, they're struggling for money. They don't know how to get to retreats. They want to come to young adult camps and weekends and all that kind of stuff. And they really have a hard time when it comes to budgeting, just a simple budget itself. And when we like, when we win with money, like you said, all other things kind of start feel like they're winning in life. When there's order, we serve a God of order, not of chaos. Yeah. Right. So we learn how to steward the things that God has placed before us and we've worked hard to get them. Yeah. Um, I would just be so curious, like, where did your passion for the next generation, like intersect your heart or why do you believe that reaching the next generation and young adult ministry is so vital and, and important in this day and age? Yeah, so I think one of the things that I've found is most people, when you're young, a young adult, and uh, Josiah, Mike, is young adult 18 to 30, or what would you guys classify that? Yeah, 18 to 30. Mm -hmm. So I would say what, what I would tell all young adults, if I could, is that from that 18 to maybe even like 25, a lot of people, when I was in college, they would say, you know, they're going to play hard, or they're going to party hard now, and then they're going to turn their life around. And I think one of the things that you quickly find is the way you spend your time and who you hang out with, especially from 18 to 25, you are almost with 99% certainty, you're becoming the person you're always going to be. Yep. So, you know, when you're young, you want to do good things. But when you're a young adult, you're setting your life up for, do I want to have a God life or do I want to have an average life? And I just think that the decisions that we make as young adults really uh, decide who we're going to become. You know, we decide our habits and our habits decide the person that we're going to be. So one of the things that um, I'm a big believer in is that we all become like the three to five people we spend the most time with. And if you do have good people in your life, people that are where you want to be, man, uh, keep doing that. If you've got people in your life that you're always pulling them up, uh, you need some people that are going to pull you up. I always say we all need three types of friends. Uh, people that are pulling us up, people that we're pulling up, and then peers like Josiah, you and I are to each other. We're, we're pulling each other up. We both have God dreams. We're pursuing them, and we're helping each other get better every day. It's so true, man. Uh, there's been moments in our friendship. This story actually, I think, illustrates our, our friendship, at least from, from you to me is we went boating last year on Lake Minnetonka. I had never wake surfed, hadn't done a ton of water sports. I'm decently athletic. Um, but 
I I couldn't get up, couldn't get up. I think there's video footage of me like drowning in water practically. For my- <laughs> but you gave me a tip and you you put it into gear. And I, I don't know, maybe the 12th or the 17th time you helped me get up. And I think that that's our heart of like why the faith of the next generation matters so much is mm-hmm. we do need people who've got our back. They're willing to give us a tip, or a pointer or two. And then it's like, when you get up, you can help others up. We're not called to live life, you know, stagnant. Even before we press record, I want you to circle back to something. You were talking about the importance of stretching and mm-hmm. growing. Talk about that, just your mindset when it comes to growth or getting uncomfortable. Talk about either wrestling or where, however yeah. you land on where we landed on a second ago. Yeah, so back in high school, I wrestled for a high school called Apple Valley High School in Minnesota here. And back when I was in high school, they were number two in the country, uh, three out of the four years that I was there. And I came from a school uh, that had really good wrestling. They were in the top, you know, three, four, five in the state. And I'll never forget, uh, right before my ninth grade year, we moved to Apple Valley. I went to a summer wrestling practice. And it was the hardest thing I'd ever done. And the reason I actually won't forget is because my dad had bought a new truck. And on the way home, uh, I threw up everything that was in my stomach in his new truck. (laughs) But I remember driving home and I was like, man, I've never worked this hard in my life. I've never stretched to be this good in my life. And the reason these guys have a success track record is because they outwork everybody. And I think one of the things, if you want to win in life, I call it, you know, kind of the top 5%. And Josiah and Micah, I think you would agree with this. If people are listening to your podcast, they're in that top 5%. They're people that want to win at life. They want to win in their marriages. They want to win in their finances. And the thing with the top 5% of people who are, I would call the leaders, is they've made a decision that they're not going to live comfortable. They're going to live in a way that they're stretching, they're growing, they're getting around people that make them uncomfortable. You know, one of the things that that I remember is when my wife and I first started dating, she was working like 30 to 35 hours a week at a job doing hair. And, you know, she being straightforward and she'd be fine with me saying this, so she was living paycheck to paycheck. And I said, hey, one of the things that could change your life is instead of working 30 to 35 hours a week is putting in 40 to 45 hours a week. And I'll never forget like two months into doing that, she, she was so mad at me. And she said to me, she was like, you just never want to see me or why do you want me to work so much? And I said, just stay after it. And in in two to three weeks, tell me what happens. Well, she was a hairstylist. And even though she'd been used to working 35 hours a week, when she got up to that 40 to 45, her paychecks doubled. Now, all of a sudden for the first time in her life, she's not living paycheck to paycheck. She's got extra money for savings. She's got extra money for giving. And I think one of the things that I've found is in our generation, you go on Instagram and you see people talking about private planes and jets and uh, Lamborghinis and success like that. That's really cool. But at the end of the day, the thing that's going to bring people joy when it comes to their money is stability. And so one of the things that I just encourage people is don't worry about success Uh, focus on being stable, focus on having your money in order, make sure that you have an emergency fund, Uh, make sure that you're hanging around people that, you know, they're not spending their, the majority of their paycheck on a car payment, trying to impress people. Mm -hmm. Because when you're a young adult, especially if you're a guy, 
if you want to attract a godly Christian woman and give her a great life, your financial stability is way sexier than having a sexy car. And, um, you know, if you're a woman having your finances in order, I work with 250 plus clients and the majority of them, the average age is 65. It's the women in the house that run the budget. So I'd also encourage you, you know, don't say, Hey, this is something that I'll fix when I'm married or my husband will take care of this. A lot of the times what I've found is men typically can be different, but they like to run the investments and women do the budgeting. And one of the things that I tell guys is don't be intimidated to hand the budgeting to your wife if she's better at it than you are. Yeah. So two quick, you know, two quick summaries is one, keep growing, keep stretching, find people that are where you want to be, do what it takes to hang out with them. And then two, you know, get your money in order. That's one area that, uh, you know, you don't always want to be stretching your whole life. At some point <laughs> you want to be stable. Right. I think that's so good. I mean, it, I'm a, I am a millennial, just so is Josiah. Yep. And just really recognizing and realizing like even the friends that I've met throughout the last 10, 15, 20 years of life and just the philosophy of money and finance and school loans and forbearance and just those things where people are like, well, yeah, I went to three different schools. I still don't have a degree. I'm going to put my loans on forbearance. And then when I get a husband, he'll help me figure it out. No, get your stuff together now. It's kind of like become the person you want to become. So when you meet the person- yeah to be with you will be the person that in the perfect time and i think finances are something definitely that we should get in order like jesus talks about money more than anything else in the bible right more than heaven itself so it's obviously something not only for us and our satisfaction of how we can live but it is for the the opportunity to give and to bless and to be stable for and just be an example of what that is and can look like for others who might be floundering and drowning in some financial distress, essentially. And I would just be curious, Trey, like what have you come across or studied or just even learned about maybe Gen Z, millennials, when it comes to the finances of the next generation? Yeah. So I think the first thing is when I was in college, one of the things that I did that was unique is I had a lot of friends that they worked at like a tennis shoe store or something that paid them nine, 10, $11 an hour, which, you know, today, you know, that's probably 14 or 15 bucks an hour. And one of the things that I, I looked at, as I said, how do I make the most amount of money in the shortest amount of time so that I can get ahead? Because when you're in college or even when you're a young adult, I shared this with somebody the other day, but when I came out of college, I got this four-year degree and I thought my goal is going to be to get rich. And I found out my goal was just not to be broke. <laughs> and you guys might remember this too, but there's been seasons of my life where, uh, you know, feeling successful was having a full tank of gas. I don't know if you guys remember any of those days, but I remember in college filling my tank. And if I could fill it all the way and pay for it, I was like, man, I'm winning in life. So I, I think the first thing is, is, you know, I got a job where you get cash tips. So The example would be is I've got a buddy, he'd go work 30 hours a week and he was making whatever, $11 an hour. And then they take his taxes out and I would work 10 hours a week doing valet and I would make as much as he did in the 30 hours. So I would work 20, 25, 30 hours. And I always had more money than anybody because I was doing something that paid well. So find a job that gives you cash tips so that you don't just have a a paycheck every other week. You get cash every day. So whether that's running up, doing valet, whether that's being a waiter or a waitress, don't just take a job like everybody else. Look to say, 
how do I maximize my time and my potential? And then number two is there's, there's two things that drive us when it comes to goals. Number one is the fear. And so we're running away from something and then having a goal, which is faith, which is running towards something. So one of the things I'd encourage everybody is to quit living by fear. I think as Christians, God, if you read the Bible, one of the things that the Lord talks about is that he's so encouraged and honored by us when we use our faith. And so one of the things I'd first say is when it comes to money, be intentional to quit living in fear, make a decision that you're going to use your faith. And then on top of, you know, using your faith and praying, make good decisions. You know, one of the things, uh, one of my mentors in life, his name is Mark Rutland, who's the president of Oral Roberts University when I was there. But one of the things he always says is, if you make good decisions, you need less miracles. So one of the things I just want to encourage people to make is good decisions because you'll need less miracles in your life. If you don't know where to start, reach out to Josiah, reach out to me, reach out to Micah, because I'd love to give you some really easy advice that I followed that helped me win with money right from the beginning. Good. It's amazing. And this, this question might be a little bit more practical because I think of wherever the listeners at, maybe they have a heart for ministry, maybe they're bivocational, mm-hmm. um, leading in young adult ministry, or maybe they're a young adult, like fresh out of college and just like you said, trying not to be broke. <laughs> and uh, I think that it's just something that I'd love to ask people like you. One of the keys we believe to life in living is just thinking about the end and beginning with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. I think it was yeah. Steve who said that in Seven Habits for Highly Effective People is they, they kind of visualize the end. What do they want to be said and done after all is said and done. And something that's really cool about you, Trey, is you work with clients who are primarily like retirement age. So 65 plus, maybe even what would you, what do you wish that somebody would have told them or what do they wish somebody would have Mm -hmm. told them when they were 25, like maybe 30, 40 years ago? Yeah. So a couple of tips. Number one is when I see people that come into my office and they've jumped around as far as jobs a lot. And I'm not talking about your first three to five or maybe even your seven years out of college. You know, my first seven years, uh, I stayed in the financial industry, but I had moved six or seven times uh, just trying to figure out who I wanted to work with and what I wanted to be. And I don't think there's a weakness in that because it takes some time. You know, all of us have the option. Do we keep knocking on doors or do we settle for something that we can't take? And a lot of people settle. And I would say, keep knocking on doors. But once you hit around 30 years old, you know, I would say what's really important is to bloom where you're planted. You know, one of the things that God talks about is if we plant, or excuse me, if we bloom wherever we're planted, then he'll bless whatever's next. And I think one of the areas that I look at is people that get to me at 65 and they say to me, Josiah, they go, I can't believe I'm 65. I never had the time to save. Uh, We had kids and I had gaps in my job. So the first thing I would say is you need to work really hard to find what your thing is and never quit a job until you have another job lined up. That's something that winners do. They know like, I'm not going to quit till I have something else lined up. Keep doing what you're doing so that you don't have gaps in your paychecks. And then number two is I would start saving now. Meaning even if it's $10 a month that automatically goes into a savings account that you can't touch, start that today, 10 bucks a month, and then increase it. Every time you get a raise, increase it. When you get your first job, they're going to offer a 401k. A lot of people will say, 
I'm not going to start that until my school loans are paid off or until my car is paid off. I disagree, especially that first three or 4%. Most of your companies will match. If you don't start and open up that 401k, you're literally giving up free money. And one good rule for life is never give up free money. (laughs) So uh, that's the other thing. Don't ever give up free money. And then three is, this is so underestimated, but uh, my business coach, think coach Keith Kraft, one of the things that he talks about is your alignments are more important than your assignments. And the reason I share that is a lot of people don't realize it's really cliche, but the people that you spend time with are going to determine the calling on your life. And I think you said this earlier, Josiah, but I think more and more Christians are called to do business and ministry. Yes. And if you have a calling for both, when I was a kid, I think I was like 10 years old. I told my parents, my goal is to make enough money in my business that I never have to raise money for a missions trip. Now, if you're raising money for missions, I think that's great. I think people love supporting that. But I think one of your goals should be to find something you're so gifted at to be a good steward that you pay for your own missions trips, that you support other missionaries. So uh, I think those are a couple of key things that if I was a young adult, I would make sure that I find my area of gifts and my career early. I would start saving early so that you have good habits because we decide our habits and our habits decide our life. And then I would align with people that are where I want to be. One of the groups that has, has some of the sharpest people that I've ever had in my life, I have to pay to be in that group. Now, if you're in college, you might not have that ability, but maybe you have time that you can offer and say, hey, I have a gift in recording video. Can I do this for free just to be in the room? Hey, uh, I would love to just come serve at your event. Can I serve at your event just so you can get in the room? So I just encourage you to get in the room of people that are who you want to be. Even though I'm a business owner and entrepreneur, if I made a goal of like the top five people that I want to have lunch with, I think four of them are pastors. So the other thing I would say is like figure out who has the attributes of success that you want and get in the room with those people, do whatever it takes. It's phenomenal. And I think of how much our world has changed since you've touched on it, since any of us have been in college. I think just higher education is being reimagined. I think also um, just income and income streams. The idea of like you talked about, it used to be you basically needed to be a, a server at a restaurant for the most part or do valet to earn tips. I think of now like Lyft, Uber, DoorDash, Uber Eats, Scrubhub. Yes. I mean, I I would look at if I were 20 again, or if I were a college student again, I probably, I worked uh, the same job, high school through college, eight years total. Mm-hmm. And I was a manager. So I got wow. to people and um, made a, a lot of difference in that company or organization and worked there a really long time, built trust and also earned a lot of raises and bonuses along the way. But I, I mean, you look at DoorDash starting out, it's just crazy the amount of tips that you can make working or, you know, working key mm-hmm. shifts or key hours or the idea of side hustles. That's all new in the past few years. I think it's never been easier to start an Etsy store or mm-hmm. eBay or flipping things on marketplace. Like there's just so yeah. much that you can do as a side hustle that pair well with ministry. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I've talked to people who will ask like, what do I do if I'm really passionate about my work, but my income is really low? 
I'd say keep doing what you love for work, but find some additional streams of revenue mm-hmm. to build that up. The the same question I get in reverse a lot is like, man, my job is paying buku bucks, but I'm just not passionate about it at all. Yeah. And I would say, okay, maybe think about a career pivot. That's possible. But in the meantime, is there anything that you're really passionate about that you could volunteer and you touched mm-hmm. on this or that you could serve with? And what are you passionate about? Is it coaching? Great. Do you want to coach lacrosse or baseball or football and find things if your income is lower to boost your income or if your income is Mm -hmm. higher, but your passion is low, find hobbies that boost your passion. Mm -hmm. I think that that's just a great way to look at it. Well, yeah, I think a lot of opportunities come in the gig economy where it's like there's a season. Everybody like everybody wants to be outdoors. So we even had some friends reach out and said, hey, do you know anybody who would want to coach softball or baseball? It's yep. three months. It's this, that and the other. It's like, OK, so there's a beginning and an end. So, and here's the amount, you know, you're going to get paid. And here's the hours, you know, you're going to have to yeah. facilitate these young adults with or these high schoolers with. So I think just keeping our eyes and ears open, not only for ourselves, but be a resource to others is always something that we can do, especially if we're going to focus on the kingdom of God. And we know that show me your friends and I'll show you your future is one of my favorite sayings. And Trey, you said something, I wrote it down because it was so good. The people around you will determine your calling. And I think when you, when I think of that, I'm like, okay, show me your friends and I'll show you your future and show me your bank account and I'll show you where your heart is. Right. And I think when it comes to money, condition of our heart. Like money's not evil. It's a condition of our heart that gets in the way through money, you know? Mm-hmm. So God has given us money as a tool, a resource to team up with other people around the world, around our community, around the country to build God's kingdom and take it further than the other generations maybe could, you know, with technology and everything else that we have access to. But I would love for you to just to share about just generosity at large. We have a lot of listeners, whether they're pastors, maybe they're only getting paid forty to $50,000 and they're trying to teach other people to give and they feel like they can't rub two pennies together in their own pockets. Or there's young adults listening who are like, I'm called to ministry, but I'm scared. And generosity is like not even on my radar because you talked about fear and faith. That factor is coming into play in our head, heart, and mind. So. When we talk about this, the common theme of generosity, how do we become the kingdom builders, you know, truly for God's kingdom? Can you just unpack what kingdom builders maybe means to you and how you've been able to approach that throughout your life? Yeah. So one of the things, if you jump into scripture, it talks about kings and priests. So a king is somebody who's called to the marketplace and a priest is just what you think of it, a pastor, a youth group leader, somebody that has a great ministry like you guys. And I think one of the things that we're seeing more and more of is people that are kings and priests, meaning that they're called to do business and ministry. And I think if you were to ask me, like, what's the difference between people that live their dreams and people that just have dreams is people that live their dreams outwork everybody in the room. So I have a friend who uh, a few months ago, he called me and said, Hey, he goes, I'm thinking about starting a business. Uh, I made, uh, he goes, um, I'm thinking about starting a business. I'm good at what I do. Josiah, like you said, uh, I don't like what I do. I'm not passionate about it. I'm thinking about quitting my business or quitting my job and just starting a business. And I said, well, what did you make last year? He said, I made over a million bucks. And I said, whatever you do, do not quit your job and start a business. I said, as a business owner, I've got dozens of friends that own businesses and a small percentage of them make more than a million bucks a year. So I said, uh, what I want to encourage you to do is just grow your capacity 
and start a business on the side of doing what you do in your job. And I think Josiah and Micah, you guys are a great example of this. You have a couple podcasts, you travel and you speak, you're organized, uh, you work hard. I think a lot of people, they think if God's called them to something, it's going to be easy and it's just going to fall into place. And one of the things my wife said to me the other day, we uh, about two years ago, we bought a home that had been a dream for us. And she said, in the process of buying our house, she said to me, she said, I watched you work so hard to put the deal together. I was the realtor on it. I ended up having to remodel the house that we had, finish some projects. And she said, the whole time, I just kept thinking, if this was God, it should just fall into place. And she said, the biggest lesson I learned is even when it's God, we have to do whatever it takes. So I think one of the things I would just encourage people is if you're not making enough from one job, get a second job. I met with a client the other day and 32 years ago, he got a paper route five, I think it's like five days a week. He gets up at 3 a.m. He started doing that so he could save for his kids college. And that's how he paid off his kids college. 32 years of delivering the paper. Well, what would most people say? Most people would say, hey, the guy already works 45 hours a week. Who's going to get up at 3 a.m.? Winners do. People that grow their capacity, people that want more out of life. Does that mean you have to get up at 3 a.m.? It doesn't, but it might mean that you have to do something uncomfortable for the first time in your life. Instead of being 30 days behind on your bills, you get 30 days ahead. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I'll tell you is I've purchased some pretty cool things that were up on my dream board. But nothing has given me more satisfaction than having financial peace, meaning we had an emergency fund. We had our bills paid ahead of time. We had enough money that my wife could stay home and be with the kids. I think on Instagram, you see these people, again, talking about all these exotic and crazy trips. Those things are cool, but nothing's more important than financial stability. And then once you have it, one of the coolest things is last year, my wife and I, we gave more away than I earned like my first year out of college. So I look at that and it wasn't even the purchase of something, but it was the freedom to put money into the things that God's called me to give my money to. And if you read your scriptures, I think one of the things that God loves is when we support widows, orphans, and salvations. Proverbs says that the wise person wins souls. Mm -hmm. Josiah and Micah, you guys are doing it. You're spending the best hours of your best days winning souls and that's why my wife and I love supporting you guys. We're going to continue to support you guys. And we're going to tell other people to, because you guys are building rewards in heaven. Last thing I'll say on this is uh, several years ago, I was probably, you know, I was working 65, 70 hours a week. And honestly, I just wanted to be successful so bad. I don't know if anybody else connects with that, but I just wanted to be successful. I didn't care what anybody else thought, but I wanted to be successful for me. I wanted to accomplish what I thought I had the potential to do. And uh, in the middle of that, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, are you pursuing building rewards in heaven as serious as you are building rewards on earth? Wow. Mm -hmm. And it was a check because I knew in that season of my life, I was working harder to pursue financial rewards here on earth than I was rewards in heaven that'll be forever. So one of the things I'd encourage all young adults is get your finances in order, not just for you, but do it for your calling. Do it for the people whose salvation is dependent upon you giving or you showing up because now you have time freedom because your finances are in order and you don't have to work and not take your vacation days because you don't have enough money. So 
one of the things I'm a big believer of, if we get our finances in order, everything else in life comes easier. And that way, when you have a heart to give finances to something that impacts the kingdom, you're able to do that. And I have to say, it's the best money that my wife and I spend is impacting the kingdom because we know that we're building rewards in heaven. Amen. Oh my gosh. I think that what resonates with me most is um, you have a drive that's tenacious and and that fires me up. I'm similar. I have a lot of drive in me. Um, But what I've noticed from observing your life, Trey, is that you are a hard worker. You're going to outwork the people in the Mm -hmm. room. And I definitely strive to be like that as well. But I think my, one of my biggest prayers for our daughters, for the faith of the next generation is that we would live our life for the things that matter most. That's good. And what's crazy about it is, um, you also know how to play and you know how to have fun. And there's been, (laughs) there's, there's this idea of vacation or rest or Sabbath that you're also really good at. And I think one of the things that's hardest for me is shutting work off. It's shutting my phone off. It's just pressing pause mm-hmm. or being present. Like, cause I think in my human mind, that feels like it's at odds with hard work. But actually what I found is the opposite. When I rest from my phone, when I rest from work, I come back, my family gets a present me. And then I'm also like sharper. Any thoughts on that about the importance of Sabbath or rest or- you know, clearing your mind or, or the things that matter most in life, like family and friends. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Yeah. Well, the last thing that any of us want to be is a public success and a private failure. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I have found is people always talk about work-life balance and it doesn't work the way people think it does. Meaning that I don't think it's, I don't think that you can live a balanced life all the time. And the way that I would think about it is there's different seasons of life. So when you're in your 20s, that's the time to work your butt off before your kids are here or while your kids are young. And a lot of people waste that time and they're supposed to be your building years. In fact, one of the things that I can't stand is when I jump on social media and there's people talking about work hard for two to five years so that you can retire and live on the beaches of the world. It's like, man, in my early 30s or late 30s, why would I want to sit on the beaches of the world? And do nothing. It doesn't even make sense to me. God's designed us to work, to produce, to bring people into the kingdom. So I think one of the things that I did is I spent, and I would say, you know, I probably spent my first seven or eight years out of college just putting my head down and working really hard so that today I could have what I would call balance. So I think for me, what that means is it's more important to me that I have a great marriage and a great relationship with my kids. Then it is that I have amazing finances. And that was something that it took me some time to to decide that. So what I've done is I created a business where I spend the first two hours of every day wrestling my kids, cuddling my kids, going on golf cart rides, because my kids in the morning, they're the happiest they're going to be all day. They have the most energy they're going to have all day. So I've just decided that it's more important to me that I spend some of my best hours and my best times with my kids than it is that I cross the stage and get trophies and awards. And, and thankfully we've had some of those things anyways, but I I think one of the things that I've decided is my marriage is more important than my business and my career. 
my kids serving God and me having a great relationship with them. Man, let me tell you, people talk about having friends for life. And I think that's great. There's, I don't know if there's many people that value friendships more than I do, but most friends are for a season of your life and your kids and your wife is forever. Um, one of the things I tell people is most people give their best self to their coworkers, to their clients, to the people they serve. And then they go home and they have the rest for their wife or the rest for their husband. If you have to decide, give your best to your spouse and your worst to your clients, because your spouse, your wife, your husband, at the end of the day, Josiah, I know this is a goal of yours too, but my goal is when my wife and I are 85 years old and we're holding hands on the beach in Fort Myers, I want Steph to look at me and say, I'm so thankful that I married you because we accomplished everything that we had and more important, everything that God had and you kept our marriage first. So I just, my, my encouragement would be, you're going to have seasons that you work really hard and they feel out of balance and that's part of it. But in those seasons, still be intentional to have family time. But like for me, I spent five to seven years being out of balance, overworking before I had kids so that when my kids came, I could reap the rewards of not missing those key first four, five, six, seven years of their life. Excuse me. The last thing I'd say, too, is my dad, uh, he's one of my heroes. My dad has a doctorate degree in theology. Uh, he is the lead pastor of two churches. He does real estate on the side because he didn't want to be a poor pastor. <laughs> um, but I was a football player and a wrestler. And my dad only missed one wrestling match from kindergarten through my senior year of high school, despite pastoring two churches, doing real estate, and finishing his doctorate degree my senior year. And the one wrestling match he missed, he drove like three or four hours to Wisconsin. And he walked in, they had moved my match up. And the only reason he missed it is because I pinned the guy in 10 seconds and he watched my hand getting raised. So think about what's the value of me knowing that my dad never missed one wrestling match or he barely missed the one because I was more important than real estate. I was more important than the ministry. Mm -hmm. And I want my kids to have that. I think a lot of business leaders and a lot of pastors put their calling over their family and if you read the scripture, your and my spouse and family is our number one calling. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Phenomenal. One thing I learned going to school at North Central from Pastor Doug Graham was, or Dr. Doug Graham, either one, but he was my pastor back in North Dakota. And he talked about when you are single, it is master mission. And then you pray for that mate. The moment you get married, it's still master. Then it's yes. mate then it's mission yep. and yeah. to keep that in order and to know that when you get married, that that kind of flips, like your spouse comes before your calling, your spouse comes before the mission, your kids come before the church and to really keep that into balance. And to, like you said, at the very beginning, like my dad and my mom, like brought us into the ministry together. It was a family ordeal. It wasn't just them in the church and then us kids. It was, it was everybody and we're all in. And I just love that you you were able to experience that, but then you're also able to encourage our audience today and you're actively living that out. And I think so many people sacrifice their children or their marriage for the sake of success through the world's lens. And that is so fleeting. That fades so quickly. We're all going to be has-beens at some point. Who now? Nobody cares. But when we get to heaven, like you said, that's where we're reaping the benefits and the treasures and the rewards 
of what we've done on this side of eternity. And I just think it's a huge encouragement and a huge reminder, hopefully for the listener, if you're a pastor listening or you're a young adult ministry leader, just to keep our hearts aligned with God and to keep God first. Or, or if you're married, then it's your your spouse. And then it's your children if you have children. And then it's the mission of the calling and what God has for you. And there's, like Trey said, there's going to feel seasons where one's kind of out of balance or outweighing the other. But you know what? Bring it back into alignment. And Josiah said something a couple months ago. He's like, Micah, what I've realized, like, I do not want to be a digitally distracted dad. I want to be a person that's present. I want to be a dad that's present. And I know that he, I think, I don't know how you said it, but you're like, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to be present. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to be digitally distracted in the process because this thing is fleeting. This, everything on the social media is fleeting. And when we talk eyeball to eyeball, that means so much more than just looking down and see the top of your head. All I'm going to see is your receding hairline or your balding on top, right? So just to really realize and recognize like what we prioritize gets done and how we prioritize it should be surrendered to God. And we should invite him into all of those areas of our life. So, well, and you had an event in your backyard that I loved and there was people who gave their heart to Christ Mm. at that event, Trey. And you, you talked about this and I think it's a great illustration for today, but you talked about rubber and glass. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So what I was sharing is in your life, pretend like you're juggling a handful of different balls, right? So we have our family and marriage, we have our career, we have our health and fitness. And if you think about those three different balls, like your career and your health and fitness, those are rubber balls, but your family and marriage are glass balls. Meaning that if you drop them, while you can glue them back together, they'll never be the same. So if you're going to drop one of the balls in your life, make sure it's your career. Make sure it's your health. Now, you shouldn't be dropping those balls either. But if you have to decide, don't drop your relationship with your spouse. Don't drop your family because those things will never look the same again. The other thing I would say for those of you that are married, when Steph and I first got married, every Thursday night for us was date night. And that was so huge. Uh, It's really easy for us men to quit dating our wives once we're married because uh, life's busy and you're tired. I remember in my uh, late twenties, Steph and I got married. I remember coming home from like a 12 hour work day. I remember thinking, how am I 28 and this tired, (laughs) you know, and you are, you're working so hard. And then when you have a kid, you're more tired, but get in the habit of going on dates. You know, one of the things I hear people say a lot is, you know, we don't have money for a date. Like you don't need money to walk through the park. Mm -hmm. Mike, I don't know if you can say something on this, but most women, all they want is our full attention, right? You want to have a conversation with your husband on what was the best part of your day? What was the most challenging part of your day? So start with the walk. So one of the things that Steph and I have done is when we started dating or when we first got married, we kept the dating going and we started off every Thursday. We had date nights. Once we had financial stability and we had money in the bank, One of the things that we did is we went on what I called basically a honeymoon date four times a year. So what we would do is we would get a hotel room at a local hotel. And actually a friend of mine was the general manager. So we'd go stay at a nice hotel for like $67 a a night or something. So, you know, and then we'd, we'd spend all of Friday night and Saturday not just together, but out of our home, which kind of changed things up as well. And now what we do, uh, we started in January of 22. 
is the Lord's blessed us, but we've decided, hey, instead of purchasing even more things or toys, we're going to invest in our marriage. So now once every three months, we take a three to five day trip somewhere together, either just the two of us or with friends. And that's a big investment. But I look at it and it's like, what else would I rather invest in than our relationship? So start, start with walks the park, work your way up to a cheap restaurant, then a nice restaurant, and then weekend getaways in town, and then weekend getaways out of town. And one of the things that Steph and I do that um, has really been helpful is every Sunday night we sit down and we plan out our week. We get on the same page and then we look at our month and then we look at the quarter and then we look at the year. And we can look back and say, hey, it's June. How many date nights have we had? How many weekend trips did we get away? And one of the things I'm a big believer in is if you only have a couple things that you can spend money on, don't buy the the big, nice car that gives you a big payment. If it means now you can't afford to take your wife out on dates, you know, prioritize your marriage. The average marriage only lasts seven years. And 90% of divorces are caused by a a lack or what I would say is a mishandling of finances. Mm -hmm. So get your money in order. Don't worry about being rich or being super successful or a millionaire. Like just focus on being stable. Most of the people that I work with who are millionaires and multimillionaires, most of them as a household never made more than 90 to 120,000 a year, meaning that they each made less or or about 60,000 a year. But for 30 years, they put money away. They didn't buy the new car. They saved up and they were stable. And now they have enough that when they retire, they can continue to live a great life, maybe even a better life than when they were working. So get your money in order so that you can eliminate 90% of the reasons why people end up divorced. Love it. It's inspiring. So good. It's so good. I love that. Oh man. When we were marriage mentoring, it was actually somebody, um, we were marriage mentoring. We had somebody say, Micah and Josiah, have you ever heard of the seven, seven, seven? We're like, I don't know what that is. So like every seven days date, go on a date with your spouse every seven weeks, um, go for one night somewhere. And then every seven months go somewhere for seven days. And I'm like, okay, I think that's what it was. And it was so much fun to like sit down, like you said, and just like play with those numbers. And to know that when we are wise with our money, we can be blessed and bless people in the process. And, oh, Trey, are you up for a challenge? Speaking of numbers, we have five and five left. Yeah. You're ready for the five and five. Okay. So these are rapid fire questions. Question number one is what has God been teaching you lately? I think one of the biggest things that I've learned and had to relearn is that we can only control the things that we can control. So one of the things that God's taught me is when you're a a driven, goal-oriented person, we want to control everything because we want the results to end up how we want them to end up. And one of the things I'd encourage you is not just to memorize the quote, but make a decision that you're only going to control the things that you can control. And if you put in eight hours or 10 hours or 12 hours in your day, go home and say, God, I give the rest up to you. I'm going to focus on my wife and my family because I can only control what I can can control. And I'm going to have faith that if I do my part, you will do yours. And we know God always does his part. That's good. Phenomenal. That speaks to me for sure. What about the best piece of advice that you can remember ever receiving? Yeah. The best piece of advice that I've ever received was that 
in life. And I think one of the things that, especially young adults, when you're 18 to 30, you learn so much. And the best piece of advice I've ever gotten was from my dad. And he told me, he said, Trey, whatever happens in your life, stay on God's side. And I think one of the mistakes that we can make is when there's things that happen that we don't understand, whether they look like they were bad or challenging or maybe even devastating. I've just decided that God is a good God. He always has his best for me. And whatever happens, even if I can't explain it, I'm just going to decide, you know what? God knows what he's doing. He's a lot smarter than I am. And I'm going to stay on God's side so that no matter what happens, my relationship with him only improves and isn't tainted. I think a lot of people, they let how their life goes determine how much they love God. And God's not a genie. I've just decided that even if God never does another thing for me, I'm going to serve him all the days of my life. Yeah. So good. Yeah. All right. Well, here's the curveball. Question number three. If you could ask Josiah and myself any question, what would you ask us? That's a good question. My question for you would be, of all the young adults that you lead, what would you say are the top one or two things that determines if somebody is continues to serve Christ or if they make a decision but fall away? Mm. Mm. Go first. Yeah, I think of active faith. The invitation from Jesus is clear, not to an event, but to a lifestyle, a way of life. And I think of when my faith became my own, it was a combination of things. One, I got car keys and I could choose to go <laughs> to church or not. And mm-hmm. I think the second thing is I was equipped to share my faith. And I saw friends of mine find hope, experience healing, trust mm-hmm. God for salvation. And he answered my prayers for my friend's salvation. And I think that we all run the risk of being further from God rather than closer when we're not sharing our faith actively. So I think sharing our faith actively, like I want to preach the gospel to myself daily Mm -hmm. and I want to share it more with people around me. Yeah. So good. If I understood the question correctly, I think, uh, I think of community and consistency Mm. when people are connected to a community, like show me your friends, I'll show your future. When I have all my friends that stayed connected to the church, to godly community and help them filter through the big decisions of life in the 18 to 20 or 18 to 30 year range, they're still serving Jesus. The people who decided to move off to California, move off to Arizona and just like run away from their problems. Well, the problems followed them because the one person they can't run away from them is themselves. Right. So I just think of when consistencies, consistently serving the Lord, consistently, you know, praying and seeking his counsel. So, and to know that they need to be consistently plugged into a church. So if I understand the question properly, that's what I, those two things they came down to. So Awesome. Good habits, good patterns. Yes, for sure. So good. For sure. So good. Um, what would be your answer to this one? Like you are somebody who values friendship so much. You said that earlier. What do you think one of the keys to just to the person who's like isolated or lonely? They're looking for that community. They want consistency in the area of mm-hmm. their friendships. What's a place to start? It's a great question. I think everybody's looking for somebody to be a great friend to them, but people that have a lot of friends know that you have to give and be a great friend first. So I think one of the things that I do well, and sometimes it's a weakness too, is when I meet somebody that I want to have a friendship with, 
I don't treat it like there's a trust that has to be built. I start with giving all the trust right away. And I think if you treat people that way, that way that time will either confirm that you made the right decision or it'll confirm that you shouldn't have given it to them in the first place. But the goal is it's kind of like investing, right? So if you and I start investing consistently, and let's just say every month you're throwing $1,000 into the stock market, you're going to have some stock that produces and some stock that doesn't. And, and the Bible talks about when you sow seeds, some is going to fall on good ground, some is going to fall on tough ground, and it won't produce anything. Mm-hmm. And I think what a lot of people do is when they uh, are a friend to someone and they've invested, invested, and that friendship doesn't pay off, they get hurt and they stop investing. And I've just made a decision that I'm going to be faithful to my friends. I'm going to be loyal. If somebody comes to me and says, hey, did you hear that Josiah did this? I'm going to say, man, I know Josiah. I don't think there's any way in heaven that Josiah did that. But I'm going to give him a call and let's find out together. So I think if you give people the benefit of the doubt, if you believe in people, just like investing, some of those friendships are going to work out. Some of those friendships are not. Uh, I just told my wife the other day, I said, I have a lot of friends. Uh, almost all of my friends, I'm the person that texts first, that calls first. And most of them would say, Trey, you're the only person that reaches out to me like this. But they don't think about, they're also not reaching out to anybody else like I am. So mm-hmm. the other thing I would say is, I've got a friend named uh, Pedro, and he was the first person that I met in college. And Pedro is what the scripture calls a friend that sticks closer to him than a brother. Hmm. What I love about Pedro is that um, he's been, you know, since 2007, he has been a friend to me. He has um, given to me without keeping track. And I think for a while I was in a season of, um, I just want to get around people that are more successful than I am and are doing more. And what I found is, uh, their level of success played no role in how good of a friend they were. Wow. Meaning that mm-hmm. I want to hang out with successful people, but if I had to choose between hanging out with somebody that, you know, is, is just making it financially, but they're a great friend and somebody who's wealthy, but they're not calling or texting me back in a, in a way when I need their friendship, man, I pick the good friend every single day. So I think be a great friend first. Um, when people don't return the friendship, don't be offended. Keep trying again. Uh, I think lifelong friends are few and far between. Um, but quality friends for seasons of life, you know, only happens if you're really intentional and give first. So give first and don't be disappointed. Don't quit when people don't give back. That's so good. Be the person of the first to ask. Be the initiator. Such a great yeah. reminder. Okay, last and final thought and question here, Trey. If you could leave the listener with one word of encouragement, what would you leave them with today? Being that we're talking about finances and the kingdom, my number one thing would be, if you only write down one thing, if you only make one change, find somebody you can be accountable to to get your finances in order. And the reason I say that is when your money is in order, everything else in your life is easier. Your marriage is better. Your ability to give to the kingdom is better. One of the things I appreciate, my dad's a pastor and we're very missions focused. Last year, our church did 30% to missions where the average church in America does 3% a year to missions. 
But one of the things I appreciate is growing up, I remember my dad would say, we believe in giving and even giving sacrificially. But if you have to decide between giving uh, to this church in Africa or being able to pay for your kid to have new soccer shoes, pay for your kid's soccer shoes. Because your kid's going to remember if you basically were putting them first, if you were thinking of them. So my number one thing would be find somebody to be accountable, somebody that you like, that you trust, maybe even somebody that you look up to and just say, hey, my finances have never been in order or I'm just getting started. So I'm just trying to make it. But could you help me get these finances in order so that I can have a great marriage, a great family, financial peace, and so that I can give more to the kingdom than ever? Uh, that would be my advice. I think that when when our finances are in order, it's so much easier for us to do what God's called us to do. Because when you and I want to go on a missions trip, Delta won't take our faith for payment. For some reason, they want cash. They want us to pull out the credit card. Um and, you know, the Bible talks, well, the last thing I'll say is the Bible doesn't say that God is, has given all of us a blessing to get rich overnight or to be a millionaire, but it does talk about how he's given all of us the ability to gain wealth. And when I read that, I think, man, I've got clients that over 40 years never made more than 30 some thousand in a year, and they've accumulated a million bucks for retirement. That's a great example of somebody that they built or created wealth by just having good habits and good patterns so i just encourage you get your money in order that way everything else in your life is easier you can give to the things that you're passionate about so that like me you can race to have as many rewards in heaven as possible <laughs> amen fires me up man it's so good hey this is trey peterson with the young adults today podcast Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Adult Today podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone you know.